Welcome to Snack Overflow, a bite-sized podcast about snacks and computers. I'm your host, Dorothy Herpa. In this episode of Snack Overflow, we discuss snacks brought to market by teens and all that entails, hot Cheetos and Takis, self-destructing computers, and side projects featuring toy dinosaurs. Okay, our guest this week is Kristen, someone I've known for, I don't know, years and years. How how long have we known each other? Since we were 17? We don't want to give away our age on the internet, but long enough. Can we say it's been over a decade? Yeah, we can say that with confidence and clarity. Yes. (laughs) I think when I was younger, I always thought it was funny to to know somebody for 10 years and not not be your entire life. You know? We're at that point in our lives. Can we say that without revealing too much else about <laughs> yeah. ourselves? We're young, we're not old. <laughs> Happily so. <laughs> or old and not young, whatever. Um, so, the premise of this show is to talk about snacks and computers. So, we should talk about the first thing, which is tell me about your favorite snack or a snack-related story. I'm sure you have many. I would like to tell you a snack-related story. Yeah. It's potentially many stories within one larger story. Which is kind of your jam, actually, the way you tell stories. So s- Stories <laughs> folded into stories. Like a stacking Russian doll? Yeah. Is that politically a correct? Uh, of course you would know the actual <laughs> name. I have one in my bedroom. Like, that's the only reason that I know what it's called. I'm not that fancy. Some years ago... I'm saying years, so as not to reveal our age (laughs) to our curious listeners. I worked at a program in a high school in San Francisco, California, which incidentally is where we're recording. Yes. Are we allowed to say that? Sure, why not? It's a good place. (laughs) And the course was a nutrition education slash culinary education class for students who were interested in, uh, it was an extracurricular. Okay. All the students who were in this class were self-selected to be there, to earn academic credits, but also be exposed to something that many of their peers were not. And it was taught by a woman who was a professional chef with a nutritional biochemistry background. So it was a really cool mix of like uh, nutrition ed plus actual hands-on cooking skills. And as part of this course, the program developed a relationship with a local high-end grocery store in San Francisco, and they agreed to support the students in making a snack product of their own as a class. Oh my God, I would die. Which included like recipe testing, development, voting on a product. And then the grocer actually sold their snack product once it was finalized and packaged and printed with a cute label in their store for like maybe a month when the project was completed. That's amazing. It was really amazing. So over the course of about a semester, these kids got to work on um, coming up with ideas for a favorite snack food, learning what was actually realistic to produce in a small-scale kitchen, and um, then doing the actual production and selling it 
to a real consumer base. That sounds like my dream. It was amazing. To come up with like a snack and be like, and now other people will buy the snack and you know, that's amazing. So it was really cool to witness that whole project. And in the end, okay, here come the stories within the stories. (laughs) There were two really amazing days. One day on which the students voted. Well, firstly, they came up with like a a company concept with like a mission statement. Oh, wow. And this was actually before they even knew what their final snack product was going to be. They were still in the testing phase (laughs) of the snack product portion, but they, one of their assignments was to like come up with a focus for their company. And as it was a nutrition education course, they wanted like a sort of holistic health-ish focus. Yeah. And so there was a day where we brainstormed like possible company names and mission statements. And I would like to read a couple of them to you. (laughs) Yes. Because they're amazing. So you could imagine this as being sort of, um, they're high school students. So it took a while for us to explain the concept of a mission statement, a company mission statement, but we told them to think of it sort of as like a um, to think of like the tagline that they would want yeah. printed on their product. So here's some of the amazing <laughs> suggestions that they come up with. Eat it. You'll love it. <laughs> oh my God. Teens are the best. Because you will. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you that yeah. that's what's going to happen. Right? <laughs> Eat it. You'll love it. Let it be the potion for your motion. <laughs> Was it a liquid snack? (laughs) (laughs) Irrelevant. Irrelevant. State of matter doesn't matter. (laughs) Applies to solids, liquids. Yeah. Okay, here's another uh, risque suggestion. Student-made snacks. They're healthier than crack. (laughs) What? That's... That's like a whole class of like, that's like almost everything is in that set of things. That are just it's like, not very descriptive. No. I can only think of a few things that are less healthy than crack, like maybe meth, like other classes of drugs, you know? Yeah, it's a very limited. Or like sugar cool. over your whole life, you know, like. Probably needless to say, we did not choose that one. <laughs> what, what was the one that, are, are there more or did, did uh, you guys pick one? There's a couple more. Yeah. We... Um, try some. You'll be awesome. (laughs) Those are the highlights. And the one we ended up choosing, a little bit more subtle and a little bit more focused on the actual mission of their fake company. Goodies for Good, which ultimately became the name of the company. Goodies for Good, tagline, good for your life. And this doesn't come across verbally, but I should say that the four is not spelled like the word four. It's the number four oh. because they were hip. I mean, I like it. Like the one that they ended up picking, I'm sure had a lot of like guidance. It, there, was, there were some maybe not so subtle suggestions that that was a wise direction to, yeah. to move in. A mature choice. <laughs> Eat some, you'll like it. I feel like that's something a parent would say about, like, broccoli. Like, know? if I trick you into thinking that this is going to taste good, yeah, maybe like, you'll think it actually Like Brussels good. sprouts or something. Yeah. So, goodies for good, one out over 
they're healthier than crack. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> Ultimately, I'm glad too. Yeah. But it was pretty awesome to, to listen to the brainstorming process and hear that one come out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, kids. So that was step one. Yeah. Kind of came up with the focus for the project. And then that led into several weeks of recipe suggestions and eventually the kids narrowed it down to a handful of snacks that they mostly created on their own. And then they voted on their final product, which was actually very sweet and very simple. It was a, an almond stuffed apricot dipped in dark chocolate. Oh, that sounds awesome. I would eat that. Yeah. And the kids actually made them on their own. They melted vats of chocolate. They slit open little dried apricots, stuffed almonds inside, and dipped them in the chocolate. And we produced almost 400 little like plastic-wrapped cellophane packages that they stuffed with like a handful. <laughs> oh, so there's more than one went into them. There was like a little bunch of them okay. in a packet. And they were sealed with this sweet little sticker that had the name of the snack product printed on it. That was a whole other project to brainstorm and decide the actual name of the almond stuffed dried apricot dipped in chocolate. And sadly, I don't, ha I, I no longer have the list of amazing names that the kids thought of, but I do remember one amazing moment where this one very brazen, sassy young woman insisted that we name the snack Unanas. <laughs> you know where this is going. I mean, it's like the Rihanna song? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we spent the whole rest of that class singing What's My Name? Yeah. And trying to explain why Onana was not maybe the most effective or just like easy to pronounce name for a snack food. <laughs> she really was upset that we didn't want to honor Rihanna with our snack product name. <laughs> ended up being named Smooves. S-M-O-O-V-E-S. Like, like a smooth move? Like a move that's smooth. Not bad. It was cute. Yeah. It was sweet. It was something that everybody could pronounce. Yeah. And didn't inspire, like, immediate outburst into... Sure. So, like, almost like the lowest common denominator. Basically, yeah. yeah. That's fair. Uh, so yeah, that was really cool. And ultimately, the kids sold their packaged smooths at a festival, and then they were sold on the stores of this high-end grocery store awesome. in the city, and they got to go in and see their stuff on the store shelves, and it was really cool. What happened to the proceeds? Did they get any, or...? The proceeds went into the program that funded this class uh... at the high school. That's yeah, clever. it was really it was a it was a nice kind of full circle yeah. experience um, for them and a really cool opportunity for kids to 
you know, see their work, like see the product of their work, literally the Mm -hmm. product of their work in a very unique way that most high school students don't get to experience. To have some like real world practical business skill development for a lot of kids who probably will end up in the culinary restaurant business world in some form. Um, It was a really neat way to get exposure and like hands-on learning. So... With a snack being produced as the ultimate, like, yeah. literal product. So that was, that was, that's one of my favorite snack-related stories within stories. So, I guess, is there a, a part, like, so, like, you were kind of involved in, like, the snack-making stuff as, like, a volunteer in that capacity, but, like, is there anything, like, just sort of, like, in your personal life that you're like, this is my snack, and I always have a snack on it? And I want other people to know about this snack and I'm, you know, the gospel according to said snack. I recently returned from a trip to Mexico <laughs> where I ate in real life for the first time Takis! <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I feel like just saying that leads to so many other potential snack related stories. But first, plug for Takis. <laughs> they are what's up. I now uh, understand why all the children who are obsessed with the Takis and have red stained fingers Takis are, are excited. There was that rap song a couple of years ago, you oh, remember? Hot Cheetos and Takis. Hot Cheetos and Takis. Fingers stained red. That's what oh, I'm saying. So good. And that song is like one, the the production value on that video is higher than some rappers. Like I'm convinced. And too, like, I thought that song was so catchy and so clever when it came out. Like, we, so we used to live together, and we went through this phase where we were just like, we need to eat hot Cheetos and Takis, and you were kind of not involved in the sort of, like, procuring and eating of said That's true. Said snacks. I but, don't know what I was waiting for. I mean, you know, sometimes you gotta wait for a trend to be over. It's fine. So that you can, so you can judge accurately for yourself without being influenced. So I respect that. That's uh, why I haven't watched. Bre- it's why it's why I haven't watched Breaking Bad. It's fine. Like this is like in my mind, I understand this inclination, or I'm assigning an inclination. But um, I remember we couldn't find Takis. It was devastating. Yeah, and it was really really difficult. And then somebody brought us Takis. I forget who. I mean, someone found them at like some bodega in the mission, and it was amazing. And we're like, yeah, pew 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 pew. Um, but that was a number of years ago, and you only. Now experience tucky life. I'm not sure why. I don't. I never thought about it as as deeply as you. In that maybe I was purposefully waiting to like jump on this trend until it was no longer cool. I don't know. I don't know why I waited so long. But suddenly I was in Mexico and it, it just felt right. <laughs> it felt like the right thing to do, and I felt like I needed to eat salt. Takis were immediately available, and and an intriguing new snack experience. I wonder if they had different Taki flavors that we could find so, in the mission. I would like the world to know <laughs> that there is a guacamole flavored Taki, which I have since seen Takis in stores in California and elsewhere. They definitely exist. I had certainly seen children eat them. I once photographed a child, you may have seen this, who made a Taki sandwich, which involved a Taki smushed between two goldfish crackers. So I knew that they were available here, but I personally 
had not experienced them until I was away. And I have definitely never seen this guacamole flavor. Yeah. It's not spicy like the Fuego. Yes, those ones. Version yeah. that those kids are all about. Yeah. But it was delicious and it was green, finger stained green, green from my guacamole <laughs> Cheetos. Not Cheetos. Takis? From my guacamole Takis. Yeah. Hot Cheetos and Takis. Yes, that was definitely a thing. Also, an amazing example of a snack related story and young people. Related because I like the pun so much of the title of the show, so I feel like obligated to do like a computer portion. I think you should follow your heart. You feel like a mod. <laughs> mod is a mutual friend of ours who often responds to my kind of like ennui with a glib "follow your heart," so which we've been referring to as a motivations. <laughs> it is. It's very inspiring. Yeah. Well, so I always found it to be very glib, like, ugh, like, I don't have time to answer this question, follow your heart. But I think it's probably meant to be more, like, you know. <laughs> I think you use it as appropriate yeah. in various contexts. So, um, but that being said, you know, do you have any computer-related wizardry to, <laughs> to share with us? I don't know that I would call anything I do that involves a computer wizardry. <laughs> I will say one of my most, like, really kind of seared memories of you was when we were freshmen in college and you were working on some sort of paper and your computer, like, totally fell apart and it was just you cursing at your computer. Yeah. Like, for the whole hall to hear because I guess this paper was due like the next day and your computer just Sounds completely right. just, like ate it and you were just like, ah, computer. And that became a common refrain throughout the end of the the school year. And also throughout college, whenever a computer would act up, we would just be like, cursing at a computer. It was a theme that never went away. I was writing a paper for a Shakespeare class and the teacher of that class was extremely attractive. <laughs> and I already feared that I was on his not so good side because I had walked into class one day and I had been listening to music through earphones on an iPod because that's what we used at that time (laughs) and the screen froze and I couldn't turn it off so the music even with the headphones on was like playing loudly enough to disrupt the class and he asked me to turn it off and I couldn't turn it off and I speaking of searing memories (laughs) it still hurts Point being, I was writing this paper for his Shakespeare class, and I really wanted to do a good job. Yeah. And I was sitting on the floor in somebody else's dorm room, writing this paper, and my screen went to the black screen of death. <laughs> and I freaked out. Understandably. I already didn't have great luck with computers or technology to be in general to begin with, and this really just put me over the edge. <laughs> And I don't remember exactly what happened. I think I sort of blacked out for a little while. (laughs) My computer gave up 
And so did I. Yeah. But then, miraculously, maybe there was some sort of wizardry involved. A screen popped up and started asking yes or no questions like a magic eight ball would. (laughs) And it asked me to just provide yes or no responses with like the Y and the N key. And I can't possibly explain what was happening in these moments, but I was pressing Y's and N's. And then suddenly the screen flashed back on literally long enough for me to save the paper that I had been working on. And I think I may have even saved it to a floppy disk because that's what we did in those iPod using days. In the early aughts. There must have been a flash drive. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah. But I got the document saved, and then the computer really was dead for good. It was dead. It was dead. Ophelia threw herself (laughs) off the balcony, (laughs) and it was over. (laughs) It was completely over. That's amazing. So, all that to say, I do not possess technological (laughs) prowess. And computers and I have never been able to see eye to eye. Right. But that said, I have recently um, embraced the use of computer technology and the internet with a photo blog that I've been curating over the last year and I can't believe it's been that long. Not quite a year. Yeah. Yes. A project I started a little over a year ago. So I suppose we should talk about the Dino Project. Let's tell the fine people about the Dino Project. I don't understand how BuzzFeed hasn't found this. Like, I haven't understood why, like, it's not like, there's been a woman taking pictures of, you know, dinos. (laughs) I appreciate your support and enthusiasm. Mostly I do it for myself. Yeah. Uh... It's something that like makes me smile and kind of laugh at myself, which I really <laughs> appreciate. Um, basically, the blog contains photographs that I've taken at this point around the world. I yeah. Guess the dinosaurs have traveled around the world. Um, photographs include dinosaurs that I, contrary to suggestions more than once made, have not photoshopped into the pictures. <laughs> really? I have not photoshopped them in. I have actually staged pictures with plastic dinosaur toys in which I make them appear to take on a life-sized-esque form most of the time. I find funny about that. It's like, that's actually a credit to you because they believe the photo yes. is such a high quality that it can't, that you had to Photoshop it. And not like, I just was holding this dino in this angle and took a picture with my cell phone. I took it as a backwards compliment. I think it's, I think you should take it as a, I mean, it's an accusation, obviously, but I mean, it's really, I think it also kind of like a tip to like how, how these photos look. Um, so what is the URL for people who want to see... Yes. The website. Thank you for asking. Yeah. It's a Tumblr blog. Um, www.thedinoproject.tumblr.com And I think you're also, you've been cross-posting it from Instagram. Have you, like, hashtagged it with anything? Or have you considered it? Or On Instagram, there is a hashtag, thedinoproject. Ah! 
Indeed. Such synergy. I don't have a specialized Instagram account yet for the Dino Project there, but there are discussions. There are discussions. <laughs> but you can find them on Instagram under the hashtag the Dino Project. Yeah. I think I'm gonna I need it. Because I I really I like all of them. They're all there was one that you posted that was like Dino at the farmer's market and it was like either just, I remember it was like a lot of red. Like, was it the strawberries? Or there apples? were strawberries, yeah. And I was like, oh, strawberry season is upon us. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> the dinos tell us. But yeah, no, it's it's always such a good... I feel like they're one of your more liked posts. It may be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exciting for me to learn that people are enjoying seeing them. Because mostly I do it, like I said, to like get a little kick mm-hmm. for my own you know, personal happiness quotient. Yeah. But when I hear that other people have enjoyed them, it just, like, makes it even more exciting. And people have asked me before about my process, not to assume that you would ask that question, but (laughs) just in case. Yeah. Um, It's really organic. (laughs) Just like the farmer's market. (laughs) No, sometimes I literally do just carry them around with me, like, in my backpack when I'm going out into the world for the day and mm-hmm. there will be a moment when inspiration strikes. Um, other times I think of something in advance that I decide I want to photograph. Mm-hmm. Another piece of the project is captioning the photos and I try to caption them with clever or witty phrases. Yeah. Depends how funny I'm feeling on a given day, but that's part of the experience. Sometimes I'll think of a caption first, and then I have to stage the photograph yeah. to match it. Sometimes I think of, or I, I, I identify a scene that I want to take a photograph in. Um, one of my favorite stories involves a day that I was driving and happened to see a street sign for a street called Rex. <laughs> And I wasn't anywhere like near a place where I'd be able to take a photograph in that moment. But I purposefully went back to that street sign months later to take a photograph yeah. of a Tyrannosaurus Rex under the Rex sign. That's amazing. So I never know how it's going to happen. It's true. And it does seem like you're able to use some of the Dino Project stuff to kind of get you out of your own neighborhood. Like Absolutely. I noticed like, oh, like you went to like this part of town like, that you live nowhere close to, mm-hmm. you know? So... Sometimes it's a great motivator for me to to do things and visit places that I wouldn't otherwise necessarily. Yeah. And usually that's because in advance I've thought, like, oh, the Japanese tea garden in the Golden Gate Park would yeah. make a cool setting for this photograph. Yeah. I should go check that out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it can definitely be an inspiration for me to leave my comfort zone or my usual kind of route to work or... Yeah. It adds like yeah. a little bit of uh, you know chaos and stuff in your day. That's Absolutely, cool. a reason to get up and out. Yeah, which I think on a weekend I am always looking for because I am really Netflix is my boyfriend and it's real hard for me to want to leave the house sometimes. So I think it's cool that you have something that's like a good kind of thing that you like to do that you can do anywhere. It's cool. concludes our podcast yeah i wanted to say thank you again for being such a willing guest 
with pleasure. Yeah, you sent me such a lovely email with a great, <laughs> great subject line that was like, snacks with an X and computers, which is basically the ethos of this show. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really lovely. I mean, season one is going to be all ladies, you know? All lady everything. Represent. You know. It's fun to share my and weird now, stories with people who appreciate them. Yeah. And hopefully the internet. Yes. So I think we should go get that frozen yogurt we're talking about. All right. Speaking of snacks. <laughs> All right. See you later, everyone. Snack Overflow was produced by me, Reti Herpa. Original music is, as always, courtesy of the band Super Users. Snack Overflow rides or dies with MVRD. You can find us online at snackoverflow.fm or on Twitter. Our handle is at snackoverflowfm. Thanks for listening.